Hi everyone and salam. This is Arzo and you are listening to Truth Talk with the Real American Afghan. This is the first podcast and I'll just do a little intro. Uh, this podcast is just going to be very an open dialogue and discussion about uh, the American lifestyle, being an Afghan. I'll share my own personal stories and I'll be as candid as I can. And this season, I will have some guests on and we'll have some dialogues about important topics, some that are taboo in the Afghan culture, but that really need, um, we really need to start shedding some light on some important things if we're going to be part of the international community. Um, if we want to be active members of the American community, there's a lot of work that we have to do as a culture. And I see positive things um, in little pockets here and there, but overall, we definitely have some work to do. So uh, we're going to address all those things. Um, anyways, well, thank you for joining today. I hope I keep you engaged and entertained. So this first um I guess, uh, episode, I'll just start from the top and just tell you who I am. So I am a female, uh, Afghan American that was actually born in Afghanistan, uh, but grew up in America. So I've lived in America since I was two years old. I grew up here. I don't have any memories of actually being in Afghanistan. I went to preschool in America, um, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, the whole nine. Um, but I do appreciate my Afghan culture um, tremendously. I think that our culture is so beautiful in so many ways. Um, there's so much uh, history and tradition that um, is important that we don't forget. And... What I tend to find is I think that people think if we're, if we identify with being American, that that means that we're letting go of our Afghan culture and roots. And that's not true at all. I mean, you look at um, Yehuda and they're totally American and yet they go to temple, they celebrate every Jewish holiday. Um, and same thing, you know, with, with a lot of other cultures, you can be American and identify as American, um, and still respect and appreciate the traditions of our own culture. So, um, and with that said, you know, it's, it's no, um, secret. I really truly identify as being American. If somebody asks me that, that's kind of what I lead with. Um, I live my life as a pretty American lifestyle, um, I've never been married. I don't have children. Uh, I've grown up here throughout my whole life. Um, my parents actually got divorced when I was about 10 years old. And that was, uh, around 1990, 1989. And at the time we probably were like the first Afghan family that had experienced divorce. It was not something normal or common back then. It was a very weird experience as a kid. It was just like I was like, you know, my sister and I were the only ones that were going through something like that. Um, and both my parents are Afghan. They met in Afghanistan and got married and they both, you know, come from good families. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a similar story like a lot of other Afghan immigrants that left Afghanistan in the middle of the war. 
Um, my, on my mom's side of the family, my, her great uncle was the prime minister of Afghanistan, my Wandwal Saib. Uh, he was actually married to my grandfather's sister. And from what I understand, he was, um, he was technically an orphan. So our family was really his, his family, his, his main, um, uh, you know, support, I guess you would say. Aside from that, my grandfather on my mom's family, um, or from my mom's side of the family, was one of the highest ranking generals in Afghanistan, along with every single one of his brothers. Um, and so my mom's side of the family grew up very kind of militant because of that background of my grandfather. Um, very disciplined, rules-oriented. And uh, on my father's side, he came from a prominent business family. Um they traditionally, uh, throughout history, I think, um, they had a lot of businesses and, um, you know, hotels, restaurants, you know, all, all that stuff. And they had a very different type of a lifestyle. Um, and my parents ended up getting married. Um, they got engaged in Afghanistan, got married, and then I was born in 1980. And that was right at the start of that, um, of the Soviet Union invasion. And we had a lot of, um, you know, family members that were part of parliament and like a lot of you experienced the same thing. The government was overthrown. Um, the prime minister, my one will say he was assassinated or he was kidnapped and then assassinated. Um, a lot of the, the, um, royal family, uh, pretty much there were instances where unfortunately, and it's a very sad part of our history, uh, there were Soviet soldiers just coming into homes and just gunning people down. And so many people died as a result of this war. And it was really, it created really, um, a, a lack of safety for our family and a lot of families. And many of us escaped, um, we were lucky enough to do so, um, and uh, our particular journey, I was two months old, um, and again, these are stories that I've picked up over the years from my parents, so I obviously don't have the recollection myself, it's just from the stories that I've heard, um, and we had left in, in different groups, so we, in in our group, it was my mom and dad, um, my mom's cousin, two cousins, and there was one particular um, instance where uh, when we had escaped, they always tell the story that, you know, they were, part of their escape was, you know, going on, on sarachar, <laughs> on donkeys or mules. And I was a baby, I was two months old. And so they had me in a basket and my dad was on, was on one, um, donkey. My uncle was on another one and I was in the basket and they were each carrying one of the handles. And so part of the journey, um, through the desert was that part of the journey was just, um, staying like, you know, Zirzamin somewhere with some, like, you know, my mom tells me this story. Um, we, you know, we stayed in some like, like, like literally like an underground Zirzamin bunker type of place. 
and uh, there was like a family that lived there and we stayed with them for I don't know how long, but um, they made us tea and, you know, things like that until it was like safe to get back out and continue on to the rest of the journey. Um, there was one part of it that we were on a bus and, you know, there was like bombs exploding and it was obviously really unsafe and, um, you know, traveling, you know, when I look back sometimes and I think like my own parents were just, you know, they were young, they were in their twenties going through that experience and having a baby, an infant with them. Um, I, I, I can't even imagine that experience for them. Um, and uh, I mean, my mom tells me the story sometimes that they ran out of ran out of milk and 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 formula for me, and they would feed me Fanta. Um, and uh, so you know, it was just a, a dangerous, scary for everybody, um, very unsafe, obviously. And I know a lot of the families that are listening to this have their own stories of how horrible their escape was, um, but. Again, we were lucky that we were able to get out. And uh, we went to Pakistan. We lived there for a couple of months or, you know, we stayed there for a couple of months. And then from there, Germany was taking in all the Afghan refugees. So we went to Germany um, and we we stayed there for about uh, two years. So, um, you know, my, my uh, we had some family there. We had some family that had already moved to America, um, but yeah, you know, um, my dad picked up a little German while he was out there, and they always tell me the story that being in Germany or those years, you know, they they didn't work, and um, they stayed home with me a lot, and I actually started talking when I was really young. I started talking when I was um, uh, probably right around a year and a half, and we actually have it recorded um, they spent a lot of time with me and, and, uh, I got a lot of love and affection from both my parents during those years. Um, and they always tell me that like, they actually didn't have a good marriage. Um, but they always tell me that like, you were our joy and you were like the one thing that kept all of us really happy. Um, and they spent a lot of time with me. They talked to me, they played with me, they interacted with me, took me out, um, for, you know, walks on the, in this, you know, or, or out for a stroll on the stroller. And, um, they always tell me that like my favorite thing was chakar. They're like, anytime, you know, they would ask me, Arzo, what do you want to do? And I'd always say chakar, chakar, take me on a chakar. So I love, you know, exploring and being outside. And, um, I always remember my mom telling me that, that the Germans even, they're like, they like loved you. And they were like, we were scared for you because you were so happy and you were so loving towards everybody that, you know, you would just go and laugh and if, you know, just go and jump in someone's arms and hug people. And so we'd always joke around um, that, you know, I hope, you know, she's going to be safe in her life because she just seems to just kind of go with people. And what's interesting is I think I've, you know, kept that part of me throughout my life. I've always been very, um, I've always loved people. I've always been, you know, rather warm and affectionate towards people. And um, I'm somebody that, and, and as you guys get to know me through the podcast, because I will share stories in other episodes, um, I've had a lot of interesting life experiences that most Afghan, um, that most Afghans won't experience, that haven't experienced, and um, 
or may have experienced, but won't talk about it because we have that whole shadam thing in our culture. It's such a big thing, you know, shadam askapnazan or don't talk about this or whatever it is. Um, but going back to what I was saying is that because of all the different experiences that I've had, I, I have a very, um, equal understanding of people and, um, I, I, I see the beauty in all of humanity, whether it's Afghan or American or black or Jewish or Mexican or whoever it is. Um, it's, everybody's the same to me. And I've spent a lot of intimate time with a lot of different groups of people. And I have firsthand experience and knowledge how similar everybody is. And if you're, there's, there's good people and there's people that have just gone off the tracks. And the majority of people in life and on earth are good people. Good people care about their families. They care about their children. They care about their communities. And that's the majority of humanity. And the ones that have kind of veered off the path, um, I don't consider, I don't even, I don't call them bad humans either because a lot of the reasons why people veer off from the path of quote unquote good, there's a lot of reasons behind it. Um, A lot of it has to do with a broken family unit, not having both of your parents, um, some type of catastrophic event happening in someone's life, um, not being in the right environment. So there's a lot of things that, that can derail someone from following the quote unquote good path. But I, I believe and I'm a witness to see that most people, most humans are, are good people. Um, so anyways, I went off a little bit on a tangent. But um, so after Germany, uh, we were sponsored. Uh, we came to America as political asylum refugees, like most people that are going to be listening to this podcast. And you know, like most people, we started off on welfare. And um, I remember our first apartment, I have a really good long term memory, my short term memory is not that good. But I remember some of my earliest memories are from when we first got to America, I was two and a half years old. Um, So at the time, it was just my mom and dad and I as a family unit, but the rest of our, a lot of our other family members were already here. My grandparents were already here and aunts and uncles and things like that. And they're already starting to kind of establish themselves and buy businesses and things like that. And um, so I just remember that the Catholic Community Services as a nonprofit organization, and um, we'd moved to San Diego and that was kind of our base. And the Catholic Community Services, they helped our family. They gave my dad a job and, um, you know, they they supported us in, in various ways. They had different programs. And um, I just, I have this memory. I remember I was little, I was, you know, like I said, two and a half. And I had short hair like a boy. So a lot of people thought I was a boy. And I remember being there and there's all these other kids, you know, probably refugee kids and, you know, from different countries and they're passing out toys. And 
they had girl toys and boy toys. And so they handed me one of the boy toys. And so my dad looks at me and he looks at the boy toy and he's like, no, no. And he takes my hand and takes me to the, you know, whoever was passing out the toys and was like, you know, this is a girl. She's my daughter. (laughs) So they switched out my boy toy for a girl toy. I just, I know it's kind of silly, but I just have this memory. Um, and so we, you know, we settled and we were staying, we were living with my grandparents for just a short time until we kind of got on our feet. And then, um, you know, I just remember my, you know, you know, staying at home with my mom and my dad, you know, working, he, uh, worked part time, I think at the Catholic community services. And he also, I think, I don't know if he was working two jobs to be honest with you. I can't remember, or if it was at different times, but he also worked at Bob's big boys and he became like manager at some point. And, um, so those were kind of, I just remember like we would take like a little, you know, family trip to Bob's big boys and like my dad was there and, you know, we'd eat like a Sunday or something. Um, and that was kind of our start and, you know, we were poor and, um, uh, you know, my mom would take us to the Salvation Army to buy clothes and, um, you know, things like that. And she tells a story about how, um, on our, we had some relatives coming over for dinner or something. And she said, we were so poor. I had like one of those and, um, you know, that was the start of our lives in America. And what I just love about America and being an American is that, it's truly the land of opportunity and it's the one place really, really in the whole world where you can come here with nothing, with nothing and create a life for yourself and not only create a life, but create a life of prosperity and success and comfort. And there is no limitations. That's the other great part. So it's really what you make of it. The opportunities are there and the resources are there and it's truly up to each person if they want to utilize what's available and what's out there. Um, so anyways, um, so my dad worked there for a little while. My mom wasn't working. Um, we moved to a different part of town and then they had my sister in 1983. Um, and you know, then after a short while, my mom started working and, uh, my sister went to daycare and I remember my grandma and aunt came, they had left Afghanistan and went to India for a while. Um, and then they came and stayed with us. Um, so they were living with us for a little while. Um, and my aunt Shali, she was, uh, she's, her and I shared a room and like, she was like my best friend. Like I just was like obsessed with her and she eventually got like a job at like the airport or something and she would spoil me she would come home with barbies for me and it was just like the greatest thing in the world I just thought she was so cool and when we were at home we'd watch MTV together and MTV had just come out like I think it was like 82 83 MTV had just come out so like you know there was videos of Michael Jackson and Cyndi Lauper and Madonna and so we just like watch these videos and dance and we just have so much fun um on when my mom wasn't working, uh, soap operas were a big thing, you know, soap operas, I think are still kind of a big thing amongst women that stay at home. Um, 
but it was like, that was the thing. And so we'd sit home, we'd watch general hospital and all my children. And, um, (laughs) um, she'd take us down to the park that was, you know, close to our house. Um, and it was just, you know, it was, that was kind of like our childhood, you know, we didn't have much, but, you know, the thing about my personal experience, our, my parents engaged with me a lot. So I think that was really good for me. Um, it, it also, I think helped me start talking earlier. I, I mentioned earlier that I started talking when I was about a year and a half old. Um, but, um, I just have always had a really close relationship with both my parents and over the years, you know, there's, we, we've had a lot of challenges and difficulty in our relationships. Um, a lot of things that have, I've experienced with my dad or with my mom separately. Um, but I've always just really loved them both a lot. Um, but anyways, so, you know, we kind of grew up that way. My mom was working as a seamstress, very, very talented seamstress. Um, uh, really talented, even like in Afghanistan, since she was a kid, she would just, she had a passion for it. She was just really good at it. She would make, you know, clothes and dolls and all kinds of things. Um, and there's actually a little story that like she'd made this doll for, by, by hand and for some school display, some kind of craft show or something at school. And, um, the queen of Afghanistan had like seen her, um, her uh her doll and really liked it and wanted it and so they gifted it to her um but she was just very talented she still is I mean things that my mom can do is pretty incredible um but anyways you know so we you know just grew up here and um around uh 1990 my parents got divorced and that was a pretty traumatic time for me, for my sister, for us, just experiencing that and going through that. Um, and the other thing, my dad was an alcoholic during those years. And that's one of the things, again, you know, I, I, I don't think a lot of Afghans will admit those kinds of things publicly in the community about their family members. But it's like one of those things that I, there's a lot of people in our culture that, um, you know, will drink alcohol or will do things and you know it's kind of like a hidden thing or whatever but and 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 there's a lot of duality in our culture which is a big problem um there's a lot of uh keeping things up for appearances so that people don't talk about us and people don't talk about our families or Badmesha. there's a lot of that and Afghanistan's a small country and the community's small and, you know, those things, I guess that's how it was. And it's still like that here, but we live in a different kind of a country and a different kind of a culture. And I mean, this is a whole other topic that I really need to save for another podcast, but, um, it it gives you guys a little bit of a taste or insight into what kind of things I want to talk about or what you're going to be exposed to listening to this podcast. But um, the duality thing's a really big deal. And it's a huge problem because it causes identity problems in people. And I, I see it. I see it amongst young people all the time. Um, but anyways, going back, um, there was a lot of other issues of why my parents got divorced. And I'm not going to go into a lot of specific details because that's their personal stories. But um, 
we experienced kind of going through that divorce and being, you know, like I said, we might've been the first Afghan family, um, at that time to have experienced that. And, you know, that it's what, you know, wasn't a good look. It was, it was embarrassing. It was, I'm sure embarrassing for my mom. Um, so many things. Um, and a few years later, my dad remarried and not only did he remarry, he didn't remarry someone that was Afghan. He, he remarried, um, somebody that was not Afghan, somebody that was Filipino, somebody that was Christian. So, and this is like my dad who (laughs) would not let us celebrate Christmas or, you know, even have presents or want us to dress up for Halloween because it was like anti-Islamic, you know, it didn't, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, we grew up one way and then all of a sudden, you know, my dad's wife, who we have to hang out with all the time is Filipino and she's Christian. So, you know, that was an interesting and, um, you know, awkward rather in the beginning kind of time for, for us. Um, and, and there's so many stories that, that kind of comes with that. But, um, uh, so anyways, they were married for about 10 years and, um, my, they ended up having a little boy, my little brother, um, Alex, who I just, you know, over, over time, I also really grew really close to my stepmom. Um, and then they had Alex and he just was just the cutest, cutest little thing ever. So I have this new sibling, um, that's half Afghan and half Filipino. And he's just the cutest, cutest thing ever. Um, and the whole family just kind of fell in love with him. He just was cute. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, how can you not fall in love with a baby? Um, and, uh, after a few years, unfortunately, Alex got cancer and he passed away. And that was probably one, if not one of, or the most difficult experiences of my life. Um, so it's interesting because when I was 10, my parents got divorced and then 10 years later, Alex dies. Um, so two really huge impactful things that are not kind of normal things that a lot of people kind of go through in those ages. Um, and at least in our community. Um, so those things really shaped me who I am as a person. Um, and it made me question a lot of things. It made me question God. It made me question my faith. It made me just wonder, like, you know, what is all this for? Why are we alive? Like, how could, you know, this beautiful, innocent little boy just, you know, die? Um, And it was a very painful thing. And it was something that I had to go through for many, many years. Um, And it took a lot of, a very long time to, um, come out of that and find normalcy in my life again. Um, But through, from the time that my parents got divorced until Alex had passed, those years were pretty, I would say, kind of normal. I was in high school. I had a job. I worked. And I know I think a lot of Afghan parents didn't didn't want their daughters to work. But I was always a little um, uh, industrious, and I always wanted to work and learn and experience and be independent. I've, I always had this very independent streak in me since I was a kid. 
Um, so I, you know, my, like my first job, I was like 14 and I used to walk to work or take the bus or the trolley to get there. And, um, we live with our, with our mom during, during those years. Um, but anyways, uh, after Alex had died, um, about, um, I went away to school. I got accepted to USC university of Southern California to study accounting and, um, and uh, I'd I'd gone away. I moved from from the city that I grew up in, which was San Diego, and I moved to Los Angeles for college. Um, and those years were very challenging and difficult too, because of had me just losing my brother, um, and just dealing with that was just really tough. Um, and my stepmom and my dad that put a lot of pressure on their marriage, and they essentially divorced. Um, and she moved back to the Philippines and she ended up getting cancer and dying and going through that was a very, um, kind of, you know, sad and just a sad thing to just kind of see. Um, but, uh, you know, the next few years were, were interesting, you know, just kind of the college years and, and, uh, you know, dealing with the, with, with what comes with that and living on your own. Um, and there's a lot of things that I experienced and I went through during those years, um, very, you know, that were very personal that, you know, again, were part of what shaped me. Um, and, you know, after college, uh, you know, I just started working, um, and just kind of got into the flow of, of just work and making money and figuring myself out, um, and trying to just kind of find some normalcy. And I had a lot of just emotional issues still stemming from my brother's death. And there was a lot of things going on with my dad, um, that put a lot of pressure on me over those years. Um, so my twenties was a very, very challenging time for me, um, when it came to personal development and, um, you know, just work-life balance. And I started having very bad problems with anxiety and, um, I would have panic attacks. I mean, the panic attacks were just unbearable. Um, like literally on my worst days, I would be sitting in a movie theater and the sound of the, of the, um, movie could start a panic attack and I'd have to leave and go home. Um, and, you know, it became debilitating. It it affected my ability to, to just function on a day-to-day basis. And I hid it. I hid it from people. I hid it from my family. I hid it from people around me. And I just try to function as best as I could. Um, and I possibly should have taken medication and I didn't. Um, and I, uh, chose to do, I I knew where the anxiety was coming from. I knew what was causing it. And there were a lot of those kind of traumatic issues that needed to be worked through and I needed to face certain feelings and certain experiences and events and whatnot. So I started doing a lot of yoga and meditation and that's kind of what saved me. That's what put me in a place of normalcy and balance and I stopped having panic and anxiety attacks and I started facing all of my issues and I took a lot of time to do self therapy and 
reading books and learning and trying to understand why I was feeling certain ways or why was I acting certain ways and trying to um, work on those things and, and fix them. And um, so probably around 2000, you know, that kind of lasted around two, up, up until about 2006. That's kind of when that kind of change started happening. And I started, you know, the anxiety attacks really stopped. Um, and the next few years after that, I uh, continued working. I tried starting a couple businesses. Um, and then into my 30s, um, just a lot of really finding more balance for myself and just working and like saving money. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, my mom asks me to this day, she's always, and that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the thing. And, you know, she's a hairdresser and she had her, her business for many years. And so she's got, you know, some Afghan clientele and they come and get their haircut and, you know, that's the topic, um, which is funny. And that's the other part of our culture. It's like, you know, nobody talks about anything else. Everyone's just concerned about, you know, like getting married and, you know, having kids. And like, that's the only thing of concern. Um, and the thing about living in America, we have opportunities to do other things, you know, and especially for someone like me that has experienced parents that have gotten divorced and a brother that died and a second marriage. And, you know, my dad's actually married for a third time now and to someone who's Chinese and Muslim, which is interesting. And he's got two kids from that marriage now. So I have a half brother and sister that are half Afghan, half Chinese, um, the daughter is about, she's a senior, she's almost going to be a senior in high school. And my little brother is like 11 and, um, they're just adorable and sweet and just good kids. And we have a lot of interesting stories that maybe I'll share in one of the future podcasts. But so these are kind of like the experiences that I've had in my life. And it's like, it's no wonder why I have a very different life view um, than a lot of other people in our community. And I'm able to kind of see things in a different perspective. And, um, so that's kind of where we're at. And, um, you know, over the years, uh, I, I've recently started a business. Um, I have another podcast that I do that's more female centric and has to do with my business. Um, uh, and if you guys want to check that out, uh, that podcast is called Sexy Boss Babe. Um, and like I said, it's about female-centric issues. And uh, the Instagram for that one is The Sexy Boss Babe. Um, but it's a beauty product. And a portion of our proceeds for that business goes to charities that support foster youth and sex trafficking survivors. Um, that's something that is really, really important to me. Um, being the fact that we left Afghanistan and like, um, the country's so war torn and there's like so many kids out there. And it's a lot of times it's kind of difficult to find good charities that can support. Um, but that's something that's always just kind of really hit me really deeply are just the kids that have been left behind in Afghanistan and, um, anything that has to do with, adversity towards children it just it breaks my heart and being in America and living in America there's a lot of orphan stories out here too and 
I truly, truly believe that it's really important if you are a citizen of a community to invest in that community in whatever capacity that you can, whatever that is. It could be money, it could be time, it could be um, support, whatever a person is able to do. If you have two arms and two legs, um, I feel like it's our duty as humans on this earth to help others. And otherwise, why are we here? (laughs) You know, we're just eating and consuming. That's not right. And um, so the orphans here in America are kids that are in the foster care system. And there's currently 500,000 kids in the foster care system. And a lot of those kids, their parents are either on drugs or are in jail or come from, you know, really bad or broken families and they go into foster care and the foster care system is like a, it's supposed to kind of be a temporary support system until their real parents are in a better position to take them back. But unfortunately the system itself is really broken in America. So once a kid gets into foster care, they're kind of lost in the system. And if they're young, they have a chance to get adopted because they're still kind of young and cute. But once they kind of get to age seven, they're likelihood of getting adopted by a family kind of goes away and they end up not getting adopted. And a lot of times they get passed from one foster parent to another foster parent who are temporarily taking care of them. So these kids don't get love and affection and care. Um, and also, and I hate to say this part, but my culture um خاله کاکا فامیل شیزاد در اینجا اگذار سختر است برای اولادای امریکایی زیادشان که در فاستر کر سیستم میره یک خاله یا کاکا سخت است که برشان پیدا شده که امرایز وازندگی کنه که پیدا شده که سرانجرز میرن عرق هم آدم و وقتی در این هومز a lot of times they get abused, you know, um, you know, the kids might get molested, uh, you know, um, recently, um, یاولاداره سریال می دادن برای چای صبح شان بر نانچاش بر نانشاو مگه دخترک گفت ما فکر کردم که امی this is like the tradition این امی است که کل فامیلا این امی کار می کنن روز سی دفعه سریال می خورن گفت یک روز از اتا خود بر آمدم ما دیدم که کل فامیل یک جای ششته بودن ستیک می خوردن گفت پس رفتم در تا خو اولادای دیگر گفتم گفتم, گفتم که این چرشن نیست که آدم سریال بخوره روز سه دفعه این نفر استیک میخورن نانای دیگر میخورن گفت بعد ازی ما روز مکتب که میرفتیم نان مکتب نمیخوردیم جمع میکردیم در شوکی در تا خود میاردیم کل ما مثل فامیل کل اشتکا یک جا نان خود میخوردیم این اقصار کادم میشنوه آدم فکر میکنه که تنها در افغانستان تو چیزا میشه اما در امریکا میشه 
اولاد تفل تفل استک این فرق نمی که تفل افغان یا تفل امریکایی تفل تفل استک سازی خاطر بر من این چیز بسیار مهم است که زیاد کارهایی که من میکنم میخوایم که کل مردم بفهمه راجع به فاستر کیر سیستم و پرابلم های سیستم و بفهمن که اولادا کمک کار دارن بسیار شدید کمک کار دارن um, Another problem that happens is sex trafficking um, A lot of these kids uh, get kidnapped and put into sex trafficking This is a really big problem in America and it's another thing that people don't talk about So um, a lot of the things that I do have to do with this Um, and I think it's really important and it's the, it's the cause that I am passionate about and I spend a lot of my time just working hard to raise awareness on that. Um, so anyways, that's kind of the short and the long of my life. Um, and hopefully you kind of understand why. Just the little tidbits. I gave you sprinkles. I didn't go really deep into all my stories. Um, I might continue to share them as, as the podcasts go on, but um, just some sprinkles about these stories about my life. And hopefully that was kind of in a nutshell, you guys getting to know me. Um, and I'm excited to continue sharing. And I part of me is nervous too because I'm opening myself up to being judged and who knows what you guys are going to say. Um But I think it's kind of necessary because I think there's a lot that people are kind of going through. And I think we're kind of in this like place where a lot of our, our, our youth are starting to become Americanized, but they have their foot in the American and the Afghan culture and they having a difficult time balancing and trying to figure out where that middle ground is. And there is a middle ground. And there's some parts of our culture that we need to evolve here in America and it's not. And it makes me sad. Um, and assimilation is very important. So, um, I'm excited for the next episodes. Um, and I will bring some interesting people on people that you guys know, people that you guys love and some people that are controversial, um, in the Afghan community, uh, to share and openly speak and talk about, what they're doing. Um, and uh, I think we'll have an interesting season. So please keep staying tuned. Um, this podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. Um, and it is called Truth Talk with the Real American Afghan. Thanks everyone for listening. Till next time. One last thing, guys. It's always been a dream of mine to help the Afghan orphans, and I know it's one of your dreams too. Social entrepreneurship is my method of doing that. For any person that purchases a product on my website, sexybossbabe.com, I'll donate 50% of the proceeds to my favorite charity that supports Afghan orphans, the HRF Foundation. If you use the code TRUTH at checkout, you'll also get free shipping. 
I really believe that we can create change together as a community. If you'd like to learn more about the great work that HRF does, please visit their website, hrfcares.org. Thanks, everyone.